Welcome to Fucking Cancelled, a podcast about what the left is like, what to do about it, and what it'll be like once we've done it. In today's episode, we talk about surviving cancellation. What isn't in your control? What is? And what can you do about the things that are? So welcome back to fucking cancel. Welcome back to fucking cancel. Um, today's episode is going to be about surviving cancellation, but before we get into it, we have a couple of announcements. Yeah. Um, we wanted to just remind everyone that we have a Patreon that you can support us on. Yeah, thanks um, to the patrons who are supporting us. It really means a lot. Yeah, it really, really helps and makes it a lot easier to do this. Um, yeah, so that's patreon.com slash fucking canceled with two L's. And you can read like various extras and um, things like that on there. We do post writing. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I am very happy to announce that I have written my first zine. Um, <laughs> trying to get in on the zine empire. Um <laughs> Uh, and yeah, um, we're selling it on our big cartel store for now. Cause I don't have a store of my own. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of about like, I don't know, f- losing faith in like the kind of, um, anarchy that I believed in when I was younger, um, sort of like reconnecting with, um, a kind of working class socialism, um, and, Trying to well, trying to survive cancellation, which um, brings us to <laughs> the topic of uh, today's episode. Yeah, it's a really good zine. There's also a lot of socialist dreaming um, yeah. happening in that zine. Also, that it's beautiful. It's beautiful um, creative nonfiction. Thank you, Clementine. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Um, so you can get that um, at our big cartel, fucking canceled.bigcartel.com. And then I wanted to announce that my book. Uh, fucking magic is coming out. I just got the first copy of it today and I'm very excited about it. Um, fucking magic is like kind of different than the stuff that we talk about on the podcast. It's like a lot of it is about trauma and like trauma recovery and like hot queer sex. Those are the main themes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, but it's a Persian that I did over a bunch of years and there was 12 issues and now it's a huge uh 552 page long book i'm really proud of it um and there is some writing on cancel culture in the zine i mean in the book there's um some of the first pieces that i ever wrote and was like brave enough to like say things about cancel culture before i was canceled um first appeared in fucking magic so yeah i mean it it occurs to me that some of our listeners might not actually know that clementine is first and foremost a, a zine writer. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Um, and I write about... That's where she made her fortune. <laughs> I write about um, cancel culture a fair amount these days. Like, I talk about cancel culture a fair amount these days, but, like, actually, I write about a lot of other things, and I have a whole um, career doing that, so... Yeah, and the book that came out is a compilation. It's a compilation of my zines. Of, like, 10, 12 issues? 12 issues, yeah. Of, uh, of the zine fucking magic. And, yes... The word fuck is in all my titles. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so if you're interested in that book, um, you can find it at clementinemorrigan.com, and that's also where you can find, like, all my zines and 
and my writing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so... Yeah, I mean, okay, so people often ask us, basically, how to survive cancellation because um, a lot of extremely canceled people are extremely traumatized by their experiences and don't know how to survive. Um, and Totally. You know, sometimes, like, we are kind of the only uh, people in their, you know, within their political spheres or whatever that they, that they have heard kind of talking about this, like, very openly, you know? Yeah. Um, so we, we definitely get a lot of feedback in the form of people being like, all right, this is all well and good, but, like, what do I do? Yeah, and there's a lot of people who message us, um, you know, long, really upsetting stories about what they've been through. Yeah. Um, because they really want somebody to listen to what they've been through because it's, like, really hard when you're canceled because nobody wants to hear your side of things. Yeah. Um, and you have no sort of, like, validation or witnessing or compassion for, like, the trauma that being canceled is. Yeah. Um, and then also people will ask us advice um, you know, there's a lot of people who have messaged me telling me that they, they feel like they should make a statement, um, and asking me to like read what they have written, yeah. um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so basically we wanted to like compile the thoughts that we have on surviving cancellation and they probably are a little bit different than what you might expect, I think. Maybe. Um, I think we also want to really emphasize that these are just our thoughts and we don't actually like, we don't have like a perfect sort of like template of like what you should do, um, to survive being canceled. Um, also, you know, even like a year or like years after being canceled, like it can still really hurt and still feel really traumatic. And some of the like pain of it, like, of the, you know, social disconnection that you experience and stuff, like, might never go away, really, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really difficult thing to even talk about, you know, because it's, it's, it hurts so much. Um, but there's, like, ways, there are ways to make it um, more bearable and also to have more of a, um, a sense of, like, hope. You know, mm -hmm. and, and like a vision of the future and to not be like just kind of permanently stuck. Um, so we wanted to talk about some of that. And yeah, you know, we wanted to say like that this we're not prescribing like what you should do either. You know, um, these are just thoughts that we've had and uh, and kind of what worked for us and, and ideas that we have. Um, a lot of it is informed by like 12 step stuff, but also just kind of like our general outlooks on life. You know? Yeah. And like, I guess, you know, for me, a lot of this comes from. Because cancellation fucking sucks and it is traumatic and it's, like, one of these things that you're just, like, damn, I wish that this had not happened, you know? Um, and I feel like I've had a lot of those types of experiences in my life. I've had a lot of traumatic experiences happen to me and I've had a lot of experiences where I was just, like, fuck, like, this is not what I want. Like, I just wish that it could be anything other than this, you know? Yeah. Um, and what I have learned through having had a lot of those experiences is that, like, nothing will take away how much it fucking sucks. Um, but I've become really good at working with what I do have and working within the reality that is my life. Um, and so I feel like a lot of those skills are transferable to um, the cancel culture experience. And also, yeah, like as Jay was saying, like we're not um, 
we're not offering this as a prescription. We really do want people to feel empowered to make the decisions that feel right for them. And I think that that's really important to emphasize because a huge amount of what cancel culture is, is the stripping away of our agency and our autonomy, or at least very strong attempts to do that. Um, and so we don't want to replicate that. Um, so we will give like our sort of thoughts and suggestions based on our own experiences of being canceled and of, you know, doing relatively okay, given everything that's happened. And also our experience of talking to so many people who have gone through this, but ultimately your life is your own and the choices that you're going to make are your own. And you have, you know, the freedom and the responsibility to like weigh things out for yourself and decide what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. And there's going to be three kind of main parts uh, of this this episode. Like, the first is we're going to talk about a concept called the locus of control. And that's sort of, like, what um, what you can control and what you can't. And then, like, how to identify that, you know? And then we're going to talk about some of the things that you cannot control. And then talk about some of the things that you can. But before we get into that, we, we want to note that, like, um, although I think that everything we say is going to apply on one level or another to, like, anyone who's who's been canceled... Um, it is worth pointing out that there are sort of different types of uh, different types of cancellation, like in terms of what their what their content is, or I should say, like what the relationship of the content is to the truth. Um, and but what I mean by that is that um, well, we've identified like five major sort of like categories, you know, like because you can be falsely accused, right? You can be accused of something that did not occur, um, and that's one relationship to the truth, right? Um, but you can also be accused, you know, the accusation can be an overstatement of harm. So it could be um, something that, you know, did occur, but the way that it's being portrayed is like really over the top. It's being, uh, you know, it's being spun to make it appear sort of as, as egregious as possible, right? Yeah, or it could literally be something that is not something that you would need to take responsibility for. Like, for example, like having right. a difference of opinion, um posting or not posting on the internet, like whatever. Like there's, there's cancellations that are about something that concretely happened or did not happen. Um, but this is not something that you would need to be accountable for. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I don't know if you got like into an argument with your ex or something and you gave as good as you got and it was a pretty even exchange, you know, but then it's being recast as like a part of like a pattern of abuse or something like that, right? That would be like an overstatement of harm. Um, and then there's situations where you literally don't know if you did something wrong. That could be because you're not sure if what you did was wrong. Um, it could also be because no one has told you what you did. That's like another right. really common one, right? So there's these situations where you like literally don't know you're in the dark. Um, there's also situations where you did do something wrong. You know, you did do something wrong, but it wasn't what you're being accused of, right? And and in that case, you know, you might feel some some remorse and you might want to, like, do something about it. But, like, there, it can be very confusing because the thing you're being um, accused of is not actually what you did, you know? Yeah, or, like, you know, you might be – like, there can be, like, kind of combinations of these things, right? You might – I've talked to a lot of people who have been canceled and they've been framed as being abusive in a relationship and they, like, you know um, – the the accusations against them are a mix of like overstatement and also like some total false allegations just thrown in there as well. Um, but the person does feel guilty because they know that they didn't act like their best self in the relationship, right? And there are things that they would like to take responsibility for and make amends for, but they did not do everything that is being um, 
that they're being accused of, right. but they did do something else, right. you know? Yeah, for sure. And then there's the sort of like, you know, the end of the spectrum, which is that you did do the thing that you're being accused of. Yeah. You know? And that definitely sometimes happens. Yeah. And right? so like, um, yeah, basically we wanted to say that like we are directing um, this episode to everyone who's being canceled. Like it's not just towards falsely accused people. Um, it's towards all of these different possible situations. And, like, I guess before we get into the rest of the episode, I just wanted to say, like, a couple things about this. So, because I think a lot of the time when you're being canceled, there's this huge, you know, demand for you to be accountable. People say this over and over again. Um, And so we're going to say a lot more about that, but just from the beginning, in order to take responsibility for something – it needs to be, first of all, you need to understand what it is that you're taking responsibility for. And also, it needs to be true. Like, it need, you need to take responsibility for things that you are responsible for. Right. It is not healthy or helpful to you or to anyone else to take responsibility for something that you didn't do or something that, is, um, that isn't wrong. That isn't wrong or that was not a problem that you did it, you know? Um, because what that does is, first of all, it's... It's it's not good for you because you're sort of like handing away your your power and your um your boundaries. Like you're you're letting people um control you basically. You're you're letting people um basically say that something that is either totally normal and fine is like bad and harmful, um, or that something that didn't happen did happen. And like neither of these are things that you really want to be um doing. Yeah, and it's bad for everybody else, too, because what you're doing effectively is you're participating in the process of scapegoating, right? Your own scapegoating. And the thing about scapegoating is that it is not just this. It is, like, the random picking of a person to just carry all of the, like, anger of a community or something instead of, um, you know, something approaching real justice being carried out, right? Yeah, and also, it's not good for the accusers either because it means that you're actually robbing them of the opportunity to take responsibility for themselves because actually if someone is upset with you but you actually haven't done anything um to violate their boundaries mm-hmm. then that feeling of them being upset with you is like their own thing you know like you can you can have compassion for them being upset but that doesn't mean that you've done something wrong right right and when somebody is acting uh abusively through a cancellation spectacle, you know, against someone who didn't even do the thing that they're accusing them of, or, you know, if you're, like, massively overstating it or whatever it is, like, if you just say, okay, I'll do whatever you want, basically that person, it's, it's like, enabling. It's, like, it's basically, like, co-signing their behavior. Yeah. And, in fact, like, their behavior is abusive and dysfunctional, and it's something that they need to look at. It's something that they need to get support to actually look at that behavior because that's a behavior that they're probably carrying out in other areas of their life their life, and that is going to continue to follow them until they, like, you know. Yeah, it's validating someone's really shit behavior. Yeah, and so, like, that's not good for them either. Um, so, basically, um, I just wanted to, like, kind of start the episode by saying, like, don't take responsibility for things that aren't your responsibility. Don't say things are true that are not true. Um, and if you're in a situation where you don't know, because if what you did is, is an example of quote harm, Mm. because like these words are so, um, like 
they have lost all meaning, right? Like we, we use these words in such an inappropriate way now. Like we use the word abuse totally inappropriately. Um, we call people like white supremacists and fascists for like <laughs> not posting about a, a political issue or something. Yeah, or like word crimes. Yeah, exactly. And so because of this, it can actually be hard for people to actually discern what is their responsibility and what isn't. And I think a lot of people are in that situation where they're like, okay, like there's all these people who are like really, really, really fucking mad at me um, who are clearly really upset, maybe seem really hurt, and I don't actually feel like I did anything wrong or I'm not sure if I did something wrong. And so like that is also an important process for people to go through. Like you actually need to figure out what is yours and what isn't, and that might not be totally clear to you right away. For sure. And so like if that is the case, like I would really recommend talking to trustworthy people, Mm -hmm. um, preferably people who are outside of the nexus, if at all possible, to get their opinion on what is being said about you and what you did and your understanding of the situation and – to get like an outsider's perspective, right? For sure. And in, in a lot of cases like this where you're, you know, you're struggling with trying to know if what you did was wrong or not, like a lot of the time what's what's really happening there is that you're basically like um, your indoctrination and your your common sense and your like, you know, eyes are, are in conflict, right? And because, you know, your indoctrination into the nexus has been telling you that, you know, what you did is is a sort of like... Yeah, it's a really like bad and and heretical thing, or, or whatever. it's like violence, or it's violence, and then and then your common sense is like, okay, like that. I just I said like I didn't say a thing on the right day, or some, or whatever like silly fucking thing it is, you yeah. know. Um, and talking to somebody outside of the nexus can be really helpful for that because if you explain like something that people are telling you is this egregious crime, right? And yeah. you explain it to somebody and they respond by like staring at you blankly because they don't understand what the fuck you're talking about, then you didn't do anything wrong. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, almost certainly, you know. Totally, and. I do think, like, having a therapist is helpful in this kind of situation. I definitely recommend finding a therapist who is outside of the nexus. Unfortunately, more and more often we are seeing... Making inroads. Yeah, and we're definitely going to talk about that more in the future on this podcast. But basically, more and more therapists are getting involved with nexus behavior. So you definitely don't want a therapist who is inside the nexus. So, like, check in, you know, um, ask them about these things. But, um, yeah, like a good therapist, an ethical therapist would be someone who you can, um, check in about the simple question of like whether or not you have done something that is, um, something you need to take responsibility for. Um, and not, not a therapist is not there to indoctrinate you into an ideology. So, um, yeah, so there's that. And then, you know, If you are in the category of either I did do something that I regret, something that was wrong, um, something that was hurtful, something that violated someone else's boundaries, something that I do take seriously, um, but it's not what I'm being accused of exactly, and or I did do the thing that I'm being accused of. If you fall into these categories, then then we do recommend doing the work that... is the work of taking responsibility, um, which is something that I think we'll probably do, like, a whole episode on in the future. So we're only going to touch on it briefly here. But, like, if you did do things that are outside of your integrity and things that you regret, it is a good idea to take responsibility for those things. Um, But responsibility comes from a place of self-respect. It comes from a place of boundaries and human dignity. Um, And it is always something that happens within a container of, like, your own safety and respect for your humanity, right? So doing the work of taking responsibility just like very, very briefly, 
basically means, you know, getting the support that you need to thoroughly understand the behaviors that you did, why you did them, what was contributing to them, and then getting the support that you need to stop those behaviors in an ongoing way. And then once you have done that, if possible, if welcome, and if safe, making direct amends to the people or person that you hurt. Yeah. Right? And so... Emphasis on, is that safe? <laughs> yeah. And that's important because it's like, it. if a person is showing a complete disregard for your humanity and your boundaries... Um, then they're probably not a safe person to make amends to at this time. Yeah, and people have asked us, you know, they're like, basically this person who, like, completely destroyed my life, showed, like, no remorse for it, and was, like, actively trying to hurt me as much as possible. Um, I think I want to make amends to them, and, like, but how do I go about it in a safe way? And it's like, you you can't. Like, they've, they've shown you very clearly that they're not a safe and trustworthy person, you know? Um, that's not always going to be the case, right? Um, but sometimes it is definitely the case that it, it's not going to be safe. Like, anything you do will be, like, used against you and, um, you know, used in the service of, like, furthering your own, like, unpersoning. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so if it's dangerous for you to make amends, it's not recommended to make amends. Yeah. And if you are unsure if it's dangerous or not, again, like, I would say talking to, like, trustworthy people outside of the Nexus to sort of, like, gauge... But basically, like, the rule of thumb is, like, if the person is acting in ways that show contempt for your humanity um, and a total disregard for your boundaries, then that is not a safe person to make a direct amends to. Right. Um, and if you can't make a direct amends, that doesn't mean that you are not taking responsibility. If you have done the work to, like, look at and understand your behavior and then you have changed your behavior in an ongoing way then you are doing what is called living amends and you actually are taking responsibility. And sometimes, you know, you might not be able to make direct amends now. Sometimes that changes, you know, maybe down the line, this person also goes through their own process of responsibility and comes into a place in their life where they change their behavior and they are no longer acting in these ways. And then you might actually have the opportunity to make direct amends. And I think making direct amends whenever possible is highly advisable. Like, I think it's good for everybody involved to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, don't close the door on it. It's possible that that might become a safe possibility in the future. But if it isn't, that doesn't mean that you're refusing to be accountable. Yeah. You're taking responsibility if you're doing the work of responsibility. Um, yeah. So for I feel sure. like that, that basically covers that. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, just, I don't know, as an example of a living amends, like, super quick, like, one of my signature moves when I was still drinking back in the day was I would just, like, show up at the apartments of people that I had, like, just met at, like, 3 in the morning and, like, hammer on their door in, like, a blackout and be like, you want to get drunk with me? Um, which was really annoying for everyone and also probably quite scary. And sometimes I would, like, show up with the cops in tow, you know, or, like, whatever, <laughs> like, crazy, crazy things. Like, the cops would, like, pick me up and I would just give someone else's address as my right. address and they would, like, bring me home, except it wasn't my home, you know? Um, and anyways, like, you know, I've apologized to the people um, that I did that to, if I remember. But I, I know that I did that to people who I don't remember. Right, of course. Um, and yeah, and so, sometimes you have to make a living amends because you don't actually know who to make direct amends to. Right, yeah. exactly. And so my living amends around that is I no longer uh, get blackout drunk and hammer on people's doors right. at 3 in the morning. Right. Yeah. Totally. You know? Okay, so that we just wanted to kind of break that down um, before we got into it because, um, you know, definitely a lot of people who are canceled are canceled for things that are either false allegations or that are overstated harm. 
and we do talk a lot about like the importance of like due process and the importance of people being able to state their side of things um but we also believe that cancellation is wrong no matter who it is directed to so if you did do something um wrong or something that you regret that does not mean that you deserve to have your boundaries bulldozed over and like you don't deserve to have your humanity disrespected and like all of the things that come along with a cancellation campaign so also like for this episode we're not really going to be defining what a cancellation campaign is we figure at this point you know what that means. Yeah, if you don't know, um, go back. To go back. Listen to our episode. <laughs> yeah, there's an episode. The first episode um, in this like series on cancel culture was called um, "Nobody's Getting Cancelled." Oh, yeah. You're all cut off. Yeah. Um, so if you're like, "What is cancel culture?" and is it even real? If that's where you're at, <laughs> go check out that. Episode. <laughs> go check out that episode. This episode is directed at the cancelled who already know what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah. Um. And so, okay, now that we've broken that down, um, we want to introduce a concept to you called the locus of control. Yeah. Do you know who came up with that concept? Um, I just looked it up on my phone. One second. So I've heard about this. um, I've come across this concept multiple times um, in, like, the therapy reading that I'm constantly doing. Right. Um, So his name is apparently Julian Rotter. Okay. um, And he came up with this concept in the 1950s. Okay. And basically, it is a concept that is very often used or is, like, kind of implicitly in a lot of therapy concepts and framings. Yeah. Um, but it's also something that I think is kind of just, like, common sense. And it is also something that is very clearly illustrated in the serenity prayer. I think it's in a lot of, like, folk wisdom stuff, too. Yeah. You know, just, like, sayings and yeah. whatever. It yeah. makes sense. So, basically, the idea is that you can have an internal locus of control or an external locus of control. And so what this means is that if you have an internal locus of control, you have an understanding that your own agency has the capacity to really shape outcomes in your life, and you attribute a lot of, you know, what happens to your own actions and your own ability to um, to make changes. And you know that there are things that are outside of your locus of control, but you don't put as much focus on those things, if that makes sense. Okay, and what does it mean to have an external locus of control? So to have an external locus of control means that you're highly focused on things that are outside of your control, and that you believe that those factors are the things that have the most impact on your life. Okay. So, you know, outside of this... the the cancel culture topic, like an example of external locus of control could be somebody who just believes that they have really bad luck. Okay. Um, and they just believe that like, for some reason, bad things always happen to them and it's always going to be that way. Okay. Right. Um, or, you know, it could be, I don't know, like someone who really likes to blame others. Yeah, exactly. Somebody who's like, you know, things would be different if people didn't do all of these things. And the thing is, is that it's true. Things would be different if people didn't do all of these things. <laughs> right. Um, but so it's not saying that like there aren't both internal and external factors. Like regardless of where your focus is, whether you have an external focus or an internal focus, the reality is, is that both internal mm-hmm. and external factors are always acting on us all the time. Right. right. Like right. there's a mix of those factors that are going into everything. And, you know, there's a lot of external factors that are, like, very serious and very real that are acting upon us, such as capitalism, for example, right? right. Like, right. this is not to say that those external factors are not very real and don't have a profound 
um, impact on our lives, right? And cancel culture is obviously one of these external factors where if you're being canceled, there's a huge amount of external influence on your life that is like, you know, really materially affecting you, In right? Huge In huge ways. And that's very true. Like, we're <clears> not saying that that's not true. But the concept of locus of control basically says that people who spend more energy and attention on looking at what they can change and what they do have control over and less energy and attention obsessing over things that they don't have control over generally are happier and have better mental health and are actually better able to like effectively um, create the change that they want to create in their life, right? Right. right? And so like here, you know, the serenity prayer is kind of like a really basic illustration of this. So it is like grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Right. Um, so it's encouraging you to identify which things are within your control and which things are outside of your control and then to act on that. Yeah. And so, and to like, to accept the things that aren't. So, so it's basically like, where do you divert your energy, right? Like, do you like throw your energy against a brick wall that is not moving or do you use your energy to like look for a different exit? Basically, right. right? right. Like just to use a little example. Yeah. Um, and so it's saying like, it's this, it's this tension or it's like this, like, like kind of like dynamic energy between like acceptance and, like, active striving for change. Yeah, and a lot of people, or maybe everyone, and I should say a lot of the time, you know, people spend a lot of energy, you know, fixating on things that they cannot ever really have any impact on, right? Yeah. Because those things are hurting them, or those things are unbearable to them, or those things are, you know, something that they care about very deeply for a variety of reasons, right? And that could be, you know, the way that other people are acting. It could be, um, you know, uh, the state of your... I don't know, um, like your, the way that your boss treats you or like, you know, there's like lots of different like things that you might be pissed off about. It could be your own behavior sometimes too. Like, um, I mean the classic example, um, with, with 12 step stuff is like your addiction, right? It's like, it's not that you're powerless over your addiction, but it's powerless over the thing that you're addicted to. Like once you start using it, like you're really unable to moderate, for example. Right. And a lot of people who are, who are addicted spend a lot of time while they're in active addiction, wishing that they could moderate yeah right and sort of like trying all sorts of like weird tricks and stuff to like to to be able to moderate and basically the idea of the serenity prayer when it comes to that topic is that it would be you know a lot more fruitful for you to accept that you can't moderate um because you have all the evidence that shows that you've never been able to right um and then focus on other ways to deal with that issue one of which is to stop using yeah for example yeah and like you know, I guess I can give, I'll, get, I'll give an example, an unrelated to cancel culture example to illustrate this a little bit for my own life. So, like, I have psoriasis, which is a genetic, you know, autoimmune condition that affects my skin, right? And then when I was 18, I developed psoriasis all over my body, like, covering the majority of my body. And it really fucking sucked, you know? Like, of course, I do not want that to be the case. Like, every single part of me is like, I wish that this wasn't the case. And, you know, of course, I did try many, many things to um, to change that, you know, but I wasn't successful in being able to change it at the time, and basically, I just had psoriasis all over my body, right? And there's many people who have um, the level of psoriasis that I had at that time who actually commit suicide. Like, there's a high suicide rate for this condition because it's very hard to live with that. Um, it sucks, right? Yeah. But what I did 
is I realized that, okay, like I've been trying and trying and trying to change this thing and it's not changing right now, right? And all it's doing when I'm obsessively trying to change it is just making me fucking depressed, making me hate myself. So what can I change, right? And so I did a whole bunch of things to sort of advocate for myself under the conditions that truly did exist, which is that I had psoriasis all over my body, right? So like I went in and talked to my boss and said like, this is physically affecting me in these certain ways and I'm unable to do these certain tasks. And like, I need some understanding like that, for example, I can't stock lower shelves because when I do, my knees split open. Um, And then the other thing I did, which is kind of an extremely hilarious and extremely Clementine thing to do, is I actually went on a psoriasis dating website. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I found a boyfriend who had psoriasis all over his body, like as bad as I did. And... I mean, this is not the only way that I could accept like what it was, but this is an example of like me having a creative strategy where instead of instead of fighting against the reality that I had psoriasis, I accepted the reality that I had psoriasis and I decided to be like, okay, given this context, how can I meet my needs, right? Right. And what my needs were was like I wanted to have sex and like I wanted to have love, right? But I was afraid that having psoriasis was like a block to that. So I was like, okay, and like it isn't a block to that. But it was obviously scarier and more vulnerable for me to try to, like, date with people who did not understand this experience. So I, like, went out and found people who did. Um, and that was, like, a way of me reclaiming my power, right? Right. So it's, like, a weird example. But it's just an example of, like, you know, I could have just sat there being, like, I wish this wasn't true, which would have been an external locus of control. But instead I said, okay, it is true, but what can I do? Yeah. And that is an internal locus of control. Yeah. So basically, yeah, it's a combination of accepting things that really, really, really fucking suck and um, working on things that are changeable in some way or another. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the things that you cannot control if you're being canceled. And yeah, honestly, like when you're being canceled, one of the things that is completely fucking overwhelming about it is how little control you have over what's happening to you. I think that that is true for everyone who gets canceled. It's certainly true for me. Um, It's unbearable. All you want to do is mitigate it, control it, change something about what's happening to you, have some have some um, power over over the situation, you know, and you fucking don't. And it is so brutal. Um, It is so brutal. But yeah, I mean, I think that. the sooner you're able to um, identify the things that you fucking cannot change about mm-hmm. the situation, the sooner you can move on to trying to, like, work on the things that you can. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, um, I think Dr. Christine Marie talked about this a little bit um, in her um, research paper and in the interview that we had with her earlier on on the podcast. But basically she said that, like, part of the trauma that people who have experienced media misrepresentation and humiliation, like, part of that trauma is, like, an obsession with wanting to fix the narrative, Mm. with just desperately wanting people to, like, see your full humanity and to understand your side of things and to not... Because cancel sure. cancel culture dehumanizes you and yeah. it turns you into this like two dimensional evil character right. and your entire personhood and the complexity of your life is erased and that's true whether the accusations are false or whether or not they're true or they're partially true yeah. because every single person is more complex obviously and multifaceted than these narratives that try to reduce you into like a horrible monster right yeah. yeah um and so there's like this obsession with like i just want people to understand i just want to change this i just want people to understand that this is not who i am and that there's more to me and of course you know you also want to change not just the narrative but like 
you know, you want to change the profound impacts that it's having on your life. You want to reverse the losses of, of community, of employment, of like reputation, of like all of the many, many losses that canceled people experience. So there's this desperate desire to change these external factors that we actually have very little control over. Yeah. Um, and so to put it very simply, like the things that we do not have control over are other people, the truth, also like... You could call that, like, what is happening. Yeah. Like, what is actually occurring. Yeah. And the past. Things that have occurred. Yeah. Um, so, that's a lot of things. But it's basically summed up into those small three categories. Like, what other people do, the actions that they take, the things that they think, you know, their their behaviors towards you. Like, those things are not actually things that you can control. Um, you can't control whether or not somebody believes lies about you. You can't control whether or not... You know, a close friend of yours chooses to abandon you. You cannot control any behavior that other people do. Um, and you also can't control things that are just materially true and happening or have materially already happened. Yeah. Yeah. You can't control, yeah, like you can't control the loss that you've incurred. Um, you can't control the, the actual events that are being spoken about, you know, you can't change things that have already happened, right? Yeah, and, like, I'll just say something briefly about this because it's kind of a bigger and more complex topic than this episode. But with the Internet, like, there's many ways in which we cannot control the Internet. Um, and it's very stressful because often you're like, I should be able to control this because this is basically um, not only completely unethical, but also illegal, you would think, right? Right. Because often um, what is being done is there is, like, slander that is being put online and harassment that could definitely be described as criminal. Um, and yet, when it's happening on the internet, there's, there's, there there's, seems to be no recourse. there's no recourse to it. And so a lot of what, you know, like, people can make a website about you that says things that are so profoundly and obviously untrue and they provide no backing for where this is coming from yeah. nor do they even need to yeah. and they can just say like really intense and awful things about you and then that website or that instagram account or whatever it is that post can be shared with thousands or tens of thousands of people um and that's insane right and so you know and i have gone through this myself of like being like surely there must be a way where you can like report this to to instagram or to the website host and surely when they see that these are like totally unfounded allegations that have profound material impacts on someone's life surely they will want to take it down right surely they must have some kind of rules about this but they don't um i mean even if they do sort of on paper, the reality is, from my own experience and talking to many, many other people, that it is very difficult to get these things removed from the internet. Yeah. So that is another thing that, unfortunately, we don't have control over. Yeah, or, um, like, very little. Very if, little. If at all. If yeah. at all. Um, and so given that that is the case, you know, like, <sighs> I mean, a lot of people really struggle with that. Um, and of actually, course. I should say, like, right off the bat that, like, I still obsessively think about this and, like, want to control the narrative. You know, like, it, it doesn't really go away. Um, but the question is, like, how you act on that, right? Or, like, if you act on it. Yeah. And I think a lot, like, something that a lot of people, tr- like, um, come to right away 
is uh, wanting to just counter cancel. They want to punch back. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's like, it would be very easy. And actually I would say that currently for me, it is like constantly extremely tempting, you know? Um, Because since we know that like you can, you can effectively destroy someone's life um, with a few sort of like well-placed like allegations that you pulled out of fucking thin air. um, It's really hard to not just fucking do that to the people who are hurting you. Right. Um, and I fucking get it, you know? Totally. And I will say even that I have seen cases where, like, I think that counter-canceling, like, basically, like, quote-unquote worked in the sense that it, like, really took the spotlight off of the first person, you know? Um, now, the question is, should you do that? Like, I would say the answer is no, because, like, canceling people is fucking brutal, and you're basically just, like, doubling the carnage. Yeah. And also, it's, like, one, it's, like, it's it's not ethical, it's it's outside of integrity, but also you don't actually have control over how that's going to go, right? Yes. And there's many people who... And it can fucking backfire. It backfires yeah. often. I would say more often than it actually works. It yeah. backfires. Yeah. Um, and there's people who attempt to, like, you know, um, weaponize, like, identity categories or who who try to, like, be, like... Or maybe, they, like, in some cases, they're, like, literally telling the truth. They're, like, actually, I wasn't the person who was being abusive in this relationship. The other person was. And I'm going to publicly state that now. Um, and... That doesn't always work. Like the, I think for some true believers who are really strong Nexon believers, they're like, well, this is supposed to work um, because I am a survivor and I thought we we're supposed to believe survivors. Yeah. But actually, which accusations stick and which don't are based on like a whole bunch of factors. Yeah. Um, a lot of which are like clout. Yeah. And also it can kind of be random. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's that. And then also um, another thing that I have seen um, along these lines, which is not exactly a counter-cancellation, but it's close to it or it's, like, similar, which is that I have seen people be like, I have receipts. Like, I have um, – because so much of our conversation happens over text, mm-hmm. right? So I have seen people be like, the, these – people are saying these things about me or this person is saying this this thing about me that is an entire misrepresentation and I have these conversations over text that dis- that disprove that, like that that show um, that like their framing of what happened is not correct. Yeah. And I have it in their own words, yeah. right? And I've seen people post this stuff and if you read it, it's like what they're saying makes sense. Like they're showing by, like if this was a court of law, like, what they have submitted as evidence would disqualify the original the accusation, yeah, right? Yeah. Because it shows that it's that what the person said is not accurately what happened, right? right? Um, however, I have literally seen people just be taken down for attempting to do that. And for people just being like, you think this makes you look good? Like you violated this person's privacy by like posting this online or like <laughs> right, whatever. Right. Like they spin right. it in some other crazy way or they right. like find other vague small things in it that are somehow problematic. Yeah. Because um, it's not fucking logical. It's not logical. Yeah. It's not logical. And no one's in charge. And that's part of what is so <laughs> frustrating about this because people want it to be logical. And it's like, if only I could just like, you know, clearly show that like what, that this didn't happen, then it would be okay. But like, it actually doesn't work that way. Yeah. And there's also been cases where like, that we've heard about where literally what the original accusation was, was disproven. Like evidence was Presented, it was disproven, and people even accepted and agreed that the original accusation was untrue. But instead of the cancellation going away, it just shifted. They just added other accusations. And they just, <laughs> they just like, decided that the person was still sketchy and, like, added in these other things so that they can continue to cancel them. So right. even attempts at doing that doesn't usually work. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. like, on a related note, a lot of people 
um, have a strong desire and it's a very understandable desire um, to make these elaborate statements. Yeah. Right. They want to, um, and they'll, they'll spend like so much fucking time on it. And like, I fucking wrote statements. I never published them, but I wrote them. Yeah. Um, you know, dozens of pages long, you know, uh, going through like each charge individually, you know, trying to be like, okay, well it was claimed that on this day I did this. But in fact, if you look at my like messenger history, it shows that I wasn't even there on that date or like whatever, you know what I mean? Um, or this person claimed that I said this, but in fact, like when you look back, like I would never have such such thing because I clearly was against that state, uh, against that stance, like as shown by my Facebook status of like March, 2003, you know? Yeah. And also I think that people do another version of this where they think that if they show that they genuinely do want to take responsibility for the places where they didn't act like their best self, that people will have more compassion and will will um, sort of be less vicious. So they'll be like, look, like I didn't do these specific things that I'm being accused of and like I can provide this evidence. And I did do these other things and I'm very sorry. And like, you know, people will um, sometimes like lay out ways that they have behaved that weren't in their integrity or weren't their best behavior in an attempt to show that, like, they are, like, a, you know, especially because, like, so much of this happens in in the framework where, like, people are pretending to be abolitionists, right? So, like, there's this idea that, like, no one is disposable and um, no one is defined by their worst mistakes. So people are like, okay, well, all they want is for me to be accountable, right? So if I, if I own the stuff that I did that I regret, then people are going, that's all they want. They just want me to own it. So I will. And then hopefully that will be fine. I have also never seen this go well. Whenever people make statements, whether it's defending yourself or attempts at taking responsibility or a combination of both, the statement is attacked. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would say, like, um, sometimes it seems to work to an extent. Um, I don't really know like why, like, I think that it might just be like this, the kind of like element of randomness that is like really common throughout fucking cancel culture and the nexus. But most of the time it really doesn't go well. And almost all the time, at least someone like brutally attacks the statement and and, like uses it as further evidence against you. The other thing about making a statement is that, um, it uses your own platform such as it is um to publicize the accusations against you totally that like otherwise might not even be getting to like all the people who you know especially if you have a large following yeah um so that's like another reason why why that doesn't always work and you know fundamentally like making these elaborate statements is like a way of trying to control the narrative um and you know it's very understandable um but yeah, in in a lot of ways, it's it's like a it's like a, a vain attempt to try to control um, a narrative that you will probably never be able to control just because there's like so many other people out there who are not you yeah. who, are, who are involved in that narrative. You know. Yeah, and also like I mean, one of the issues that I have with the whole like making a statement thing is like when I think about that because many many people told me when I got canceled to make a statement because yeah. what I got canceled for was extremely ridiculous. So they were like, you can easily deal with this by making a statement. You know. Especially because, like, what I was accused of, like, did not happen. And there was, like, clear evidence of that because I was accused of not posting about something that I had posted about. So, like, you can see that I had, right? Um, And so people were like, just make a statement and say that you do care about this political cause and show that you have been posting about it and it will be fine. But I can't make a statement because, well, first of all, I'm not going to, like, sort of, like, validate this absurdity by responding to it that way. But secondly, the whole idea of a statement is, like... I need to prove to you, the internet, 
that I am a worthy and good person. So <laughs> right. I'm like, where do I begin and where do I end? Is this about the post that I did or did not make? Or is it about the things that I did when I was 22 years old? Yeah. You know, when yeah. I was a street-involved addict. Like, I wasn't canceled for any of those things. But the idea of making any kind of statement to, like, prove my goodness to the internet. Yeah. I'm like, what would I include or not include in such a statement, you know? For sure, man. For like, sure. is this, and it does get to a point where basically people are sort of expected to tally up all their wrongdoings and just post that to the internet to let people decide whether or not those people are worthy of basic humanity and respect. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that because my right to, like, my humanity and to basic respect is inherent. For sure. And sometimes you see that in these statements too, man. Like, people are, like, having a full-on fucking mental breakdown while they're writing them. And they're just attacking themselves, you know? They're, like, doing all this, like, work to try to, like to try to, like, show that they're good people. And a lot of, like, what counts as being a good person in the Nexus is having, like, a really good tally of all the bad things you've ever done. You know what I mean? So it ends up just being, like, this, like, endless list of, like, transgressions that you've done, whatever. It's, like, fucking... Yeah. And, again, yeah. it's it's crazy because it's, like, you know, again, like, we're all out here trying to pretend like we're abolitionists. And I'm, like, the whole idea of, like, uh, self-incrimination... Yeah, God, yeah. Like, I'm, like, you're... Why are you telling people who are demonstrating that they are not trustworthy people and people who are demonstrating that they do not respect your basic humanity, why are you telling them the worst things they've ever done? It's not safe. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So other things that people will do like kind of along the lines of, um, making a statement is generally like making attempts at being accountable because there's often this this accusation that you're not being accountable, which is like a huge part of what is going on with cancellation. Although what it means to be accountable is always vague and shifting and unclear. Um, sometimes there are actual like set up accountability processes of some kind that are somewhat organized that people are expected to take part in. So taking part in an accountability process can be an attempt to gain some control over what is happening. Um, I have literally seen people do every single thing that has been asked of them, even things that are completely absurd and inappropriate in an attempt, because there are some people who just believe that like, okay, if I do everything that I'm asked, then this will, this will stop. Like I will be redeemed. Um, and so that is also like, it is an attempt at control because it's like, I just want this to stop. So I'm going to do everything that I can to make it stop. So I'll do whatever you want, you know? Um, yeah, and I mean, for more on what we think about this shit, like, see our uh, Refusing Accountability episodes. Yeah, exactly. Which I believe are 6 and 20, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, like, we we have lots and lots of thoughts on this, but basically we we think that the entire concept of, like, accountability processes is, like, fundamentally flawed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that people do uh, is they just give in, you know? Like, a lot of people just roll over, um, present their bellies to be to be stabbed with the sharp edge of cancellation and, you know, they self-incriminate. They agree with whatever uh, is being um, thrown at them. They accuse themselves of things. Sometimes they accuse themselves of things that they haven't even been accused of, Um, you know, and it's very much like a show trial. You know, it's like if you watch these like uh, grainy black and white videos of like Soviet, like um, purge victims sort of like self-incriminating themselves and being like, I am an American spy (laughs) or whatever. You know what I mean? 
Um, and it's, it's the same basic idea. And uh, obviously that fucking doesn't go well, man. Yeah. And I mean, also kind of along with that is like sometimes people will just sort of like disappear. They will be like, okay, I guess I'm not allowed to have a social life. I guess I'm not allowed to have, you know, I'm not allowed to be an artist or I'm not allowed to have a social media account or I'm not allowed to yeah. have the basic things in life that I wanted to have. A good friend of mine the other day who... I firmly believe has his heart in the right place and was really trying to be helpful, basically asked me why I don't change my name and move and, like, have a completely different life. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be a refugee. Yeah. Like, I, I don't feel like that would be fun, you yeah. know? Um, and I feel like that would be giving up on, like, a massive scale, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So these are all various things that people do to um, to attempt to control what is outside of their control. Um, and so we just wanted to, oh yeah, we also wanted to mention, um, before we move on, um, legal recourse. So the idea of getting a lawyer, um, and attempting to sue or sending a cease and desist letter, these types of things, these would also be examples of attempting to control, you know, something external, right? And it's using, um, basically the law to, um, make that happen. Um, and basically like we've talked to like a lot of different people, you know, because of course when you are powerless to stop people from doing horrible things to you, like you would like to gain that power. And so like, it's very appealing to take the legal route because if you could get that to work, um, that would be great. Um, and okay. I will say, a couple things about this. One is that, you know, obviously I am an abolitionist. I do not like the cops. Um, I think that involving cops and taking criminal proceedings is always something that we should avoid doing as much as we possibly can. Um, but I do think that civil law is different from criminal law. And I think that um, threatening to sue someone is not the same thing as pressing charges against them. Um, yeah, I do think that. Um, some people have taken issue with that because I'm an abolitionist, but I'm also like, I do see, you know, people trying to use civil law as like a basic, like last ditch effort to like protect themselves against literal abusive behavior that is like really fucked up and overwhelming. So I totally understand why people do it. Um, and I'm not even against it. I think that sending a cease and desist is a totally legitimate thing to do to someone who is like trying to actively destroy your life. However, the reality is, is that most people cannot do this because it is way too fucking expensive and it is way outside of the realm of possibility for a lot of people. There have been some people I've talked to who have worked with lawyers and have had good results Mm -hmm. or some results from that. Yeah. But for most people, it's way too expensive. Seems to be a mixed bag. Yeah, like, it's fucking expensive to hire a lawyer for, like, a single sort of, like, consulting session, you know, let alone, like, a whole case. Often, if you can get a lawyer to work for you for, like, a a reasonable price, it's because you promised the lawyer, like, a a, basically, like, a cut of, like, whatever damages you get. But if you're suing some fucking, like like 20 something punk kid who like right. doesn't have any fucking money like yeah. you're not going to get any money out of them yeah. like like the the most they're going to do is declare bankruptcy or whatever yeah. um yeah yeah and so we just want to say like we're not experts on this topic because we have not gone this route and you know we've talked to people who have but like we don't have um a lot of information or detailed advice about that but we just wanted to mention it because um it is something that people try to do 
it does fall into the category of like changing things, like external things. Yeah. Um, but that's not that doesn't mean that it's inherently wrong or bad. Um, and it also, yeah, like we have seen cases where it did kind of work. Yeah. So it's just putting that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but, but move, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just quickly before we move on to the things that we can change, um, it's important to note that like when we talk about accepting these things that you cannot change, it doesn't mean that we are saying that you have to agree that they're like fine or okay yeah. or that they should be happening. Um, that is not the case at all, you yeah. know? And like many, many things, like when you're victimized, it is not okay and it should not be happening. Um, accepting it doesn't mean that you co-sign it or that you validate it. It yeah. means that you are in alignment with reality. Totally. And I actually think that like the inability to understand this concept is kind of at the heart of a lot of what cancel culture is. Mm. Because so often, you know, people, whether they, whether something abusive did happen to them or whether they were simply just hurt, you know, um, or whether they feel resentful or whatever it is, people find it so unbearable to, like, just live with that reality that they feel they must control the other person in order to deal with it, right? Yep. Um, And that is, like, so much, like, people just cannot tolerate the idea that, like, someone who hurt them hurt them and is continuing on with their life, right? And so instead of, like, instead of focusing on themselves and being like, okay, what do I need to cope with what happened and to, like, make different choices in my life and to move forward with the life that I do have, um, they're like, no, I must prevent the person who hurt me from having a life of their own, right? And it's this internal, it's this extremely external focus. Um, Cancel culture is like that. Yeah. It's extremely external focused. And so I think that that's, you know, for me as a person who has experienced so much fucking trauma in my life, like I had to learn this lesson at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Like I could just sit around forever and and be mad at what happened and be obsessed with the fact that I wish it hadn't have happened. But like where does that leave me? It leaves me nowhere, you know? Um, and so, you know, it's very important to be like something can suck so fucking much. Something can be cruel. Something can be totally unfair, unjust, wrong, unethical, like fucked up, whatever. It can be all of those things and it can also just be fucking true in reality, you know? Absolutely. And so if that is the situation, you know, accepting it isn't saying it's right. It isn't saying it's okay. It isn't saying that you have to like it. It's just simply saying that it is what is. And if it is what is, then the next question is, okay, now what? Yeah. Right? So, to sum up, basically, you can't control other people, you can't control the past, you can't control what's currently going on. But, like, um, the main thing that you do have control over is yourself. Yeah. Your actions, your behaviors, what you choose to do, what you choose not to do. Um, You always can control those things, no matter what. Um, And tapping into that is a very powerful and freeing thing. Yeah. Um, So, now we're going to focus more specifically on what are the things that we can change. Yeah. So, I mean, the first one is is your own boundaries, right? You actually have a fair degree of control over that. Um, you know, one of the things that cancel culture is really good at is, like, steamrolling over your boundaries. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't make moves to make sure that they are um, – that you are enforcing them as best you can, right? Yeah. Um, a really obvious one, the first one uh, that we thought of was it's it, it's around timing, you know? Oftentimes when you're being accused of shit, 
um, the there's like this massive pressure to just respond like instantaneously, and also to do like weird shit. People have weird fucking ideas of what is like normal on on Instagram in particular. Like where you know, okay, so you're experiencing like an insane accusation. Um, there's like 50 people fucking like in your comments. Oh my like, god, like 500 people in your comments sometimes. Well, if, but you're, yeah. if you're super famous, 500 people um, in your comments, you know, like accusing you of like insane and increasingly like random yeah. uh, things, and you're expected to be in there moderating it <laughs> yeah um deleting comments that like uh that defend you, you yeah. yeah um and also to be like issuing like you know statements and yeah. whatever like instantaneously like with no downtime whatever yeah um so yeah i don't know i think we've been big proponents of of saying fuck off to that kind of thing um to the degree that i think that now it's like become sort of like a little bit i don't know if it's like you know, it's probably not just us, but I think that it has become a little bit normal for people who are currently being canceled to be like, listen, like this takes like a little bit of time. Like I'm yeah. not going to respond like right away, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, you don't have to respond right away. Yeah. Or you might decide that you don't even want to publicly respond. Yeah. You can um, fucking log off. Yeah. Um, or you can stay logged on and, and, um, and not respond. And ignore. Yeah. yeah. True. And delete people's comments. Yeah. <laughs> I guess like before we continue on, I just want to say something about boundaries. Can I just kind of freestyle something here? Freestyle. So, <laughs> um, I think for me, like boundaries, strong, strong boundaries have been. Sometimes like shaking her fist, right? Like now. I'm not shaking my fist. <laughs> I, strong boundaries have been the number one most important thing for me in terms of being a public figure who is being canceled over and over again and continuing my career, you know? I have very strong boundaries, and I have had very strong boundaries since I first got canceled because I was already therapied enough by that point that I could see that this was all completely inappropriate. And I guess, like, there's, there's like kind of two levels to boundaries. One is like the external level of like um, actually setting boundaries, right? Like actually setting and maintaining your boundaries, which means like what kinds of behaviors you will and won't accept from other people. Setting those boundaries and maintaining them. But internal boundaries not take on other people's bullshit, right? To understand that like some things are yours and some things are not yours and being able to like discern the difference between them and to not take on the things that are not yours. Right. So like when people were trying to project all of their like emotions at me and make them my responsibility, I could see that they were not my responsibility. You know, Mm -hmm. I could see that I wasn't actually responsible for like appeasing these people when they were behaving in entirely inappropriate ways towards me. Right. So I actually didn't have an impulse to do that. And I actually knew that um, that doing that was, like, bad for them, bad for me, and totally out of alignment with my integrity and my ethics. So, like, I was just never going to do that at this point in my life. Definitely in the past, before I had all the therapy that I have today, like, I would have done more appeasing kinds of behaviors. But I had strong enough boundaries at this point internally that it was very easy for me to enact my external boundaries, right? And so, like... Jay just talked about timing. That's one of those things. Like, you don't have to respond right now. You're allowed to take as much time as you need to deal with this, like, really intense thing that is happening to you. Um, Other examples of boundaries, like, online are things like comments. Like, you can turn your comments off completely. Mm -hmm. When I got canceled, I turned my comments off completely, and everyone lost their minds and said that it was literal violence. Um, They literally did say that it was literal violence. They said it was literal (laughs) violence. (laughs) 
Um, and I'm like, that's not what the word literal means, and that is not what the word violence means. But anyway. Um, and then, you know, since then, I have, like, sort of, like, loosened those boundaries little by little, but, like, on my own timeline, right? Again, with timing, like, I kept my comments totally off for, like, a year after I was initially canceled. And then once I felt, like, more comfortable, like, I had blocked most of my most intense haters and, like, I had developed um, more of an audience that, like, truly respected me and, like, understood my politics around cancel culture, then I opened it up to, like, the people that I follow. And more recently, I have opened it up to my followers. But this is, like, an experiment and, like, some days I just find it too annoying and I turn it off again because, like, I can't deal with how annoying people are on the internet. Um, but, yeah, so you get to decide what those boundaries are. You get to decide if your DMs are open. You know, you get to decide if you look at your DMs. You get to decide if you have comments on. Like, all of those types of things are just online boundaries. Also, if you have comments on, guess what? You can delete comments that you don't like. Yep. If there's comments that are just annoying you or are, like, disrespectful to you or, are like, totally misunderstanding what you said. Just silence those voices. Just delete the comment, you know? Also, there's a beautiful function called restrict. Yes. <laughs> Highly recommend restrict. <laughs> so on Instagram, you can restrict someone. And then after that, when they post, they can see their comment, but nobody else can. <laughs> I'm totally outing myself by saying this on the pod. Yeah, if I um, <laughs> Do not log into another account and check my page to see, <laughs> to see if your comments have been restricted. But basically, I restrict with wild abandon, to be honest, because, like, I don't want to, like, engage this isn't even about cancel culture it's just like i don't even want to engage in like debate in my comment section right people who are being like really like taking that tone with me and being really like um combative in their comments towards me um or people who just like perpetually misunderstand what i'm saying and want like me to like unpack it for them i just restrict the comment because i find it annoying um and that is just Boundaries, sorry. Um, so you're allowed to have boundaries. Um, you're allowed to decide what kinds of interactions you want to have and not have, and you're allowed to enforce that, and that's fine. Yeah, and that that also applies to boundaries online, or sorry, uh, in real life too. Yeah. Um, you know, one of which also is like a crossover between online and real life, which is like, yeah, like for a long time, actually, I guess this basically still applies. Like I really prefer that people don't send me, um, examples of me being canceled that they find on the internet. No. You know, I don't fucking want to see it. Um, it's super, Same. it's super stressful. It floods me with cortisol. Um, it accomplishes nothing. I know that I'm being fucking canceled on the internet and then people are saying all kinds of crazy yeah. and untrue things about me. Yeah. Um, in far corners of like deepest Instagram, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't want to know. Like, I, I don't care. It isn't interesting to me. Um, I know that it's not true. Uh, or it's really stupid or it's both, you know? Yeah, and I think that's – I'm glad you mentioned that because it's actually – it's a boundary that I recommend. I I think that part of what happens when we are going through a trauma, like being canceled, is we – are hypervigilant, right? And so hypervigilance means that we are scanning for threat and for danger. And so there can be a very strong impulse to like monitor the unfolding accusations and to like monitor, you know, the changing, mutating accusations or when like a new yeah. wave is coming. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's this sense that like if we don't look at it, then we feel out of control because we don't know what's being said. But the reality is, in my experience, that is that my mental health is so much better when I don't look at it. Um, when I do look at it, I'm like, holy fuck, it has, like, mutated so much, and the things that people are saying about me are literally so intense and crazy, and looking at just, like, how many people are just, like, sharing that and going along with that and co-signing that and liking that is, like, profoundly disturbing and upsetting and 
very triggering, you know? Yeah, totally. So it totally fucks up my mental health. It fucks up my day. And, like, what did that do? Like, did that actually give me any control over it? No. Because For it's sure. still in the category of things that I can't control. And me knowing that the specifics of what they're saying is literally changing nothing. Yeah. So, and, like, yeah, like, if demented goblins are, like, you know, denouncing you to the internet, you don't have to read it. Yeah. You don't have to read you it. You fucking don't have to read it. No. And if, like, and then, you know, for anyone who's, like, okay, but, like, I do want to be a responsible person and I do want to know if I have, like, you know, done behavior that is hurtful or whatever. Like, my response to that is, one, most of the time we do know when our behavior is hurtful because we were there. Um, you know, like, it's actually, like, not that mysterious most of the time whether or not you did something super fucked up because yeah. you were there. Yeah. Of course, people can be in denial and, like, stuff like that. But that is, like, a basic thing. And then secondly, it's, like, if people do genuinely have feedback for you that is, like, you know, constructive and helpful, they don't give it to you in a cancel culture way. Yeah, they can talk to you like a fucking normal person. They can just talk to you about it. And there's, like, absolutely, like, you know, we can be open to feedback from our friends and in our relationships and, like, you know, like, private correspondence without being canceled, right? So it's, like, the 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 method through which this information is being shared with you matters. And um, I'm not, I'm actually not interested in um, getting information about how to behave ethically from people who behave profoundly unethically all the time. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know, like if people are acting like that, I actually am not interested in what they think about what is right, right and what is wrong because they have demonstrated to me through their behavior that they are acting in ways that are profoundly unethical. So Yeah, and that they're like deeply uninterested in what is ethical. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So basically, yeah, having boundaries, um, and like, you know, you don't have to um you don't have to read the bullshit that's being said about you. Mm-hmm. One last thing on boundaries and boundaries in real life, because we kind of only just briefly touched on that. Yeah. Is that you also get to decide in your relationships in real life how much you want to talk about it and, like, your timeline for talking about it. That's true. And if you want to talk about it now or, like, if you just want to hang out and you don't want to unpack this, you get to tell your friends, like, what would be supportive and not supportive. You don't have to defend yourself against the allegations in every single interaction that you have with people. Yeah. Um, A person's support of you should not be contingent on you defending yourself against the allegations. Yeah. They should be supporting you because you're experiencing a profound harassment campaign. And, like, whether or not you need to take responsibility for something is a separate issue from the fact that you're being harassed on a mass scale. So you actually don't need to defend yourself in order to be – in order to be supported. Um, And then one last thing on boundaries, um, (laughs) which is just that – and this is something I'm trying to also, like, keep in mind for myself is that – you know, it's crazy that Jay and I do this podcast, to be honest, because, like, this is not an intellectual exercise for us, right? Like, when people want to debate cancel culture and they want to start, like, bringing up Harvey Weinstein and having these, like, very vague debates about whether or not cancel culture exists or is okay, and they it's clear that they have thought about this, like, a little bit and are kind of just, like, talking out loud about their vague ideas about cancel culture – I don't have a lot of space for those types of conversations because this is like a profoundly emotionally loaded topic for me um, that has like profoundly impacted my life, right? Mm -hmm. So like I do hope people are having those conversations with someone and like talking it out and like, you know, hopefully coming to understand that this is like really unethical and abusive behavior. But like I don't have to be the one 
to like have that conversation with everybody, you know? Yeah. And I'm allowed to be like, actually, this is a topic that is like really um, personal for me. And I don't want to like listen to you play devil's advocate about it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And I would say like to add to that, you just, you don't have to put up with anyone like questioning whether or not like what is happening to you is happening to you or not. Yeah. Or whether or not it's wrong. Yeah. Like you, you actually don't have to put up with that. And if people like insist on behaving that way around you, you don't have to fucking hang out with them. Yeah. And I know that that can be hard because it's like, if you already are losing so much and you're losing so many friends, it may seem like you don't have the right to have those types of boundaries because you need to like hold on to whatever you have. Yeah. But the reality is, is that you do have the right to have those boundaries and it will be better for you to invest in seeking out relationships that are truly supportive of you than, um, you know, putting up with behavior that is not. And I will say that sometimes, you know, you, you have to like, I'm not saying just cut everybody out because they didn't act perfectly. Like I have told people like, actually, this is how I need you to support me. And I give them the chance to like correct, um, if they did, you know, kind of say something that was not super, um supportive when they first reached out to me or whatever. For sure. Um, Like, when people say, like, why are you being canceled, for example? Like, I literally cannot with that because I'm, like, I'm being canceled because people are harassing me. Like, that is why. Um, But I get that people who are in this culture, like, do not necessarily understand that or see it that way. It's a steep learning curve for a lot of people. Yeah. And so, like, I do give people the opportunity to, like, learn how to be supportive and to, like, think through these ideas. But if people are just consistently being an asshole, like, I'm obviously not going to maintain those relationships yeah especially if it's in like a hostile way yeah um speaking of hostility you do not have to internalize other people's hostility towards you (laughs) yeah um you don't have to treat yourself cruelly you can treat yourself with compassion um you can internally completely hold on to the idea that you are a good and worthy and valid person dare i say yeah um because you are Yeah, and so how you treat yourself is actually something that is within your control, and it's really, really important, especially if you're being treated like shit by hundreds or thousands of people. Yeah. It's really, really important that you are nice to yourself to the best of your ability and that you actually, like, take care of yourself, um, are, like, excessively kind to yourself, if at all possible, that you, like, you know, take the actions... that you think that somebody should take if they're going through a traumatic experience, yeah. right? And if it's hard for you to, like, offer that to yourself, think about if a friend of yours was going through something really, really traumatic, like, what would you recommend in terms of, like, how they should talk to themselves and, and what they should do in order to, like, seek support and, um, yeah. Yeah, and remember that it is, like, very likely a super traumatic experience, you know? Like... What is happening to you? It's a really weird thing, too, eh? Especially when you're, like, super fucking deep in the nexus because, like, you know, there's, like, an entire culture of which you were you, you were you were part of it until recently or maybe you're even still part of it, you know, that is telling you constantly that this shit is either good or it doesn't exist or, you know. Or both. Or both. <laughs> it's good and doesn't exist. Um, and it, it can be, like, extremely fucking hard to hold on to the idea that what is happening to you is is you're being fucking victimized. Yeah. You are the victim of severe abuse. And that can be, like, really fucking crazy, especially when you're being called um, an enactor of abuse, you know? Um, But you have to keep in mind that it is fucking wrong to do what people are doing to you. Um, Yeah. Very likely. I mean, I don't know the details of your exact situation. But, yeah, if people are are harassing you, that is wrong. If if they're dehumanizing you, it's fucking wrong. wrong. Yeah. You know? And so these are – this is what cancel culture is. So if you're being canceled, like – that is wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, you don't need to 
internalize dehumanizing ideas about yourself, you should treat yourself with kindness and compassion, and that is extremely important. Yeah. Um, another thing that you have control over, um, I'm not saying that this is easy, um, but it is something um, that you do have control over, is um, you have the capacity to seek support and to decide who is going to support you, right? So cancel culture is like a profoundly isolating experience where you're like losing, you know, in some cases you're like losing all of your friends and all of your community, Um, but you do have the capacity to seek support and to find people who are actually going to have your back in a real way. And sometimes that can take a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but it is something that I highly, highly recommend. Even just listening to this podcast is an example of you seeking support because you are actually actively seeking out people who are not invested in, like, these dehumanizing narratives or, like, validating this kind of abusive behavior, right? Yeah, congratulations. You're doing self-care right now. Yeah, exactly. Um and so, you know, it's been a whole process for me with seeking support. Like, one for me is, like, having a therapist is, like, crucial. I think that anyone going through something as traumatic as being canceled really should have a therapist. But finding a therapist who um, has some understanding of cancel culture and especially does not co-sign cancel culture can be hard but is really important. So, like, I really um, recommend looking into that if at all possible for you yeah um and like we're i don't know we've been like a little bit extra about this in some ways like we have like all these like discords that we start and like we made this podcast and like whatever we're constantly but the thing is we're constantly seeking out people who share our lived experience as, yeah. as canceled people um because it's honestly really fucking important and we need safe spaces too and i mean yeah. like completely unironically yeah um in order to discuss what's happening to us without the even the remotest possibility of somebody being like well is that really real or yeah. like, maybe you deserve it exactly especially in the beginning it's so fucking vulnerable and it's so crazy making and it's so fucking isolating like because not only are you going through this horrible experience but also you're very likely the only person that you know who is going through this horrible experience that you know of that you know that you personally know yeah, yeah. and so like you don't like even when people are trying to support you like they don't understand right? They do not understand what it is like to go through this. They do not understand what it is like to be lied about, to be dehumanized, to like lose so fucking much all at once. It is such a fucked up thing to go through. And it's very hard to explain to someone. Yeah. It's very hard to explain to someone. And also very often the conversation will like go to these weird places about like, is cancel culture real? Is it ever justified? Um, And also like, what did you do to deserve this? And like, none of those things are helpful. Like what you're looking for is someone to empathize with you over this horrible experience that you're going through. Right. Um, And you know, who's really good at doing that? Other canceled people. Um, (laughs) And so, like, actually, for me, like, one of the things that I did um, after I started kind of pulling my life back together is I actually actively sought out other canceled people. Um, And it was pretty crazy because by that point I had started, you know, we had started the podcast and I had started speaking openly um, about cancel culture on my Instagram. So I was already starting to become known as somebody who openly opposed cancel culture And I started to hear about different people being canceled. And when I would go look them up, I would often find that they were already following me, which Mm. was, like, a pretty cool thing. And I would reach out to people who had been canceled. Even just sometimes I would send a message and be like, hey, I see what's happening um, on the internet. And I just want to let you know that I think it's wrong and I hope you're doing okay. You know, and sometimes it would just be, like, a short exchange. Yeah. In other cases, I actually became, like, really close friends with people 
who I literally just met them um, through the fact that I heard about their cancellation and I reached out to them, you know? And there's mm-hmm. some people who have become, like, really important people in my life. Um, there's other people who, like, I played an important role for them in terms of, like, their own recovery from cancel culture. This is so 12-step of me, too. Like, <laughs> Reaching I, out to the newcomer. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and it was really helpful for me to, like, take the focus off myself and my own suffering and to, like, use my own experience of going through this to, like, help someone else who was, like, in the thick of it, you know? Experience, strength, and hope. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, like, I definitely did a bunch of that. And I also, like, actively, like, you know, um, online, like, paid attention to, like, which Instagrammers I knew who were kind of um, posting things that led me to believe that perhaps they were critical of the Nexus. Mm. Um, And then I started to talk to them about it, you know? And through that, I ended up making, like, a whole bunch of friends who all of us became more and more um, brave in our, like, public willingness to be critical of this stuff, um, you know, by supporting each other. And now, like, even to this day, like, you know, for me, being very openly anti-cancel culture is a way that I manage to build community and seek support in my life because it's a beautiful filter. Like, if anyone is, like, down with that shit, I don't trust them and I don't want to be their friend. Doesn't yeah. mean I, I doesn't mean I think they're a bad person. It doesn't mean that I think they should suffer. It doesn't mean that I'm going to do anything to try to destroy their life. But it means that I don't trust them and I don't feel safe around them and I don't actually want to be friends with them. For sure. And different, you know, different canceled people might have different um, uh, approaches to this. But I, I think that it does make a lot of sense to at least remember that it is okay to not trust people who are super cancel-y, like even if they have not personally canceled you. Totally. You know? Or even people who, you know, you you see them fucking online, uh, you know, sharing cancellations and sort of like, um, you know, co-signing this kind of thing. Even if they personally have told you that they don't, you know, agree that you should be canceled or something. It's okay to like feel very sketched out by that, you know? And it's, again, uh, like it doesn't mean that you have to think that they're like a bad person or like whatever. But, you know, you're allowed to like fucking have like a sense of self-preservation. Yeah. And it's a red flag. Yeah, it is a red flag. It's a red flag. It's like if if someone is behaving that way to someone, then who is to say that they aren't going to behave that way towards you, right? Um, And also, I I really do require from the people that I trust and the people that I'm close to that they understand that what happened to me is wrong, you know? And so if people think that it's okay to do this, maybe it was wrong when it happened to me, but it's okay to do it to somebody else, like, that doesn't really fly for me. Yeah, Um, totally. But yeah, I do think, and this, not everybody's going to want to do this and that's obviously fine, but I think that flying the flag of opposing cancel culture is a really powerful way to like meet other friends. And like, I think that for a long time before I was canceled, like I tried to play it safe um, by sort of not revealing too much of what I think about this stuff because I was afraid of getting canceled, but it had the opposite effect of what I wanted because what ended up happening is that I was surrounded by cancelers. Like, because I was not being honest that I find this stuff to be wrong, I ended up being surrounded by people who think that this stuff is right. And then what ended up happening is they canceled me, right? Right. Now, I'm just like, no, I think this stuff is wrong. And so people who are like, no, this stuff is, like, very good or it isn't real, they stay away from me because they think that what I'm saying is fucked up, you know? Yeah. Um... And I'm kind of glad that they're staying away from me. Yeah, it suits, suits me just fine. 
Um, yeah, so that was seeking support, um, and yeah, I really think that like finding as much support as you possibly can, which can be very hard for canceled people, but it's really, really important, So, and definitely a therapist if at all possible. The other thing that we have control over is what we say and like how we use our words and the stories that we tell and the ways that we talk about things, right? Right. Um, and I already mentioned this, but I'll just touch on it briefly again, is that like very often... I have been asked, why was I canceled, right? If you've been canceled um, and people know about that or there's rumors going on about it or you talk about being canceled, people will often probably ask you, well, why were you canceled, right? Right. And so I always answer this question by saying that I was canceled because people decided to harass me because that is the truth. Even if you did something wrong or something that you regret or something outside of your integrity that actually did not make anybody cancel you. Yeah. Um, there are people who have done all sorts of horrible things to me. I am not canceling them. Yeah. There are people who are currently actively harassing me. I am not canceling them. Right there. It actually isn't true that doing a behavior that is wrong naturally resulted in people canceling you. The majority of people who've done bad things have not been canceled. Yeah. And the majority of people who've been canceled didn't really do much. Yeah. And so (laughs) it's not a connected thing. And so the thing, the reason that you're being canceled is because people are actively harassing you. That is why you're being canceled. Yeah. And I think that that's really important because the other way of phrasing it is victim blaming. It is literally saying that you, who is the target of this behavior, is the cause of this behavior. And you're not the cause of this behavior, even if you did do something that you regret. Yeah. And so it's really important for me to like always bring it back to that and to like be mindful of the way that I'm speaking about it and to like also tell other people that I don't um, take responsibility for other people's abusive behavior towards me. Yeah. And so, no, I did not do anything that resulted in me being canceled. Yeah. And you can represent yourself as the victim of, you know, a campaign of fucking criminal harassment. Yeah. By a cabal of goblins. (laughs) I mean, yeah. And if. You know, you. I will put the caveat to say that if you do start talking about it this way, people are going to be mad about it. <laughs> yeah, they are, just in case you didn't, yeah. They are going to be mad about it, you know, and people will say that, like, you know, whatever, you're, you're like, playing the victim or you're, like, refusing to be accountable and, like, all of these things. But, like, of course they're going to say that. And the thing is is that they're already talking shit about you anyway, right? Yeah, so and you are refusing accountability, um, so that's fine. Yeah, you're refusing to take responsibility for something that is not your responsibility. Yeah. Or or you're refusing if you at least if you're a, you know a fan of the pod. Um, you're refusing the concept of like accountability and you would much prefer to engage with it through a lens of responsibility, yeah. which is not what people like to hear. Yeah. Totally. Um, um which yeah, I mean brings us to the next point which is just that it's fine and good and important to stick to your integrity and your principles. Yeah. Um, you don't have to change them for anyone else. You don't have to, uh, participate in other people's like attempts to brainwash you or gaslight you about what really occurred. Um, you are allowed to have your own interpretation of events. You're allowed to have your own understanding of what's going on, uh, to you and, um, your own understanding of like, you know, who is the fucking victim in the situation. Um, that is fine and good and important. You're allowed to continue to have your principles that state that, for example, um, you know, all people are like that. No one is disposable, including your fucking self, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And it's, it's fine and good and important to maintain those 
those principles. Yeah, and I think, you know, because the nexus is so unprincipled, um, I think that for some people, you may not know what your principles are um, going into this experience. Yeah. Because That's true. we actually aren't encouraged to think deeply about what our principles are. We are encouraged within the nexus to sort of take on whatever take is, you know, being presented as the right take at the given time. Yeah. Even if it's totally inconsistent and it's changing all the time, like, you know, this is why we can have contradictory things like saying that we're abolitionists while also actively destroying the lives of people who said something we didn't like on Twitter. Yeah. Like, this is contradictory. And and can I just say something? I think that a lot of people who get into the nexus, like, you know, they start off with fucking principles. Um, and then what happens is the, there's this process of indoctrination that basically makes them that makes their fucking brains mushy. And, like, this is what happened to me, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think probably, you know, it happens to a lot of different people. And, like, yeah, you start out, like... You know, or, you know, you have these, like, strong um, beliefs, you know, often, like, abolition is, is one of them, or at least something, like, along those lines, right, where you're, like, uh, the, the criminal justice system is fucked, and, like, the carceral system is, like, way too big, or, like, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, you, as you get indoctrinated, you are, you know, um, you, you end up with these beliefs that are a lot more contradictory than that, and and I just want to say that this was really important for me and for Clementine too, I think. I know. Um, it is okay to continue to be a fucking leftist and to be a fucking socialist, even if everyone you know who's a leftist is now calling you whatever the fuck they might be calling you. It's okay. And not only is it okay, it's extremely important to not let the cabal of goblins take away your leftist principles and take away those principles that you started off with in the fucking beginning, you know? Yeah. Um, and like, it's like in a certain way when they cancel you, they're, they're trying to take away like both your original principles and like the, the, the Nexus ones that they inculcated you with. Um, and you know, you want, if you want to lose the Nexus ones, go for it. But like, you don't have to lose the, you know, your fucking moral compass that, that teaches you that all people are fucking, um, inherently, uh, equally deserving of respect and dignity and like the right to a good life and the right to be treated, um, you know, fairly and to have like due process and, and all these things that we hold dear, you know, as, as leftists and also as just as like decent people. Yeah. And I think, you know, if this is, I don't know, confusing or like new for you, um, I recommend listening to the first episode that we did of the podcast where we lay out our principles. Yeah. Um, yeah. And basically, like, the thing is, is that principles, they're like anchors, right? They're like, or a compass is another good sort of metaphor. They're a way to be grounded and to know where you are, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And they don't actually change. Like, they they stay the same. Like, they are guiding principles. And then what you do is you have these principles, and then the circumstances that are going on, you, you look at those circumstances through those principles yeah. to see if they line up with the principles or not, right? Or, yeah. Um, and so, and you can look at both your own behavior and other people's behavior through your own principles, right? To decide whether or not you think that that behavior is ethical. Um, and this is just like a really important concept, I think, because we need to be making our decisions based on whether or not we think that the behavior is ethical. And it's like, um, obviously we don't always act inside of our own principles. That's true for lots of reasons. And one of my own principles is, you know, having compassion and understanding for the fact that people do not always act inside their own principles, right? 
um, and that people should not be condemned if they did not act in a principled way at a certain time. But still, we have these guiding principles and we always try to align our actions with them to the best of our ability, right? And like 12 Steps really taught me about this stuff. There's the whole like progress, not perfection, right? And the idea that like we do our very best in an ongoing way to align our actions with our principles. And when we fall short, then we do the work that we need to do to repair and to bring our actions back into alignment with our principles. And we can actually know what our own principles are and judge our own actions, not through what other people are saying about us, but through whether or not our actions are in alignment with our principles. And then if other people are acting in a certain way that you think is unprincipled or unethical, then you also, that's important information for you to know too. And that, you know, again, one of my principles is not to punish other people. Yeah. So therefore, if people are acting in ways that I think are unethical, I'm not going to punish them for that for it, but I am going to have really strong boundaries um, to protect myself against it, right? And I think... As I was saying about the boundaries piece being a really, really important thing that helped me to survive being canceled, I think that this also was really profoundly important for me because I didn't have any confusion about that at all. I knew because I had already done so much of this work, both in therapy and in 12 steps over the course of many years, almost a decade now, that by the time I was canceled, I knew what my principles were. I was very, very clear about my principles and I already had a practice of like being of like really paying attention to my own behavior and whether or not my behavior is in alignment with my principles, right? So when people start trying to attack me and saying that I'm, you know, being violent, yeah, I know I'm not being violent. Like I'm very aware of what violence is, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, this can also really help you anchor yourself when you're trying to, f- yeah, yeah. Like I mean, you were basically saying this, like. It can help you anchor yourself if you're trying to figure out if you fucking did something wrong or not. Like, if you have to take responsibility for something. And something that identitarians will constantly do is they they will try to say that, like, since you didn't defer to them... Um, that, like, you are therefore in the wrong. And it's okay to be like, my principles tell me that I don't have to defer to you. Exactly. You know? Like, if, like, a turf is telling you that you have to defer to cis women in all matters that regard, like, gender, <laughs> right. you don't have to agree with the turf, right? Right. If a Zionist is telling you that you have to defer to Jews um, over on, on any issue having to do with Israel and also only Jews that are Zionists, (laughs) which is what they will say, you know, you also don't have to agree with them. And it also goes for the kinds of like nexus identitarianism that we're very familiar with. Right. Um, just because someone is telling you that you have to defer to them, it doesn't mean that you have to defer to them and it's okay to have that as a principle. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I mean, just to make this a little bit concrete, I'll talk about my cancellation for a second. Like one of the things that happened is that this person randomly told me that I needed to deplatform and give my account away to a black person. That was what was demanded of me. And personally, I actually find that statement that was made to me to be racist. It's incredibly offensive. I find it to be racist because it's like they did not specify any particular person. They did not say, like, here are some thinkers whose ideas I really respect, who it would be cool if you signal boosted. You know, if somebody was like, hey, here's, like, a black scholar or, like, a black activist who's doing, like, really cool work that I think you would like and you should check it out, I would be like, awesome. And I would read it. And if I vibed with it and I thought that it was, like, something that I agreed with and that made sense to me, then I would obviously happily share it and... um boost it, which is what I already do, because that is, like, a respectful way of engaging with people's ideas, right? Right. Um, But no, I'm not going to just give away my Instagram account to a random person based on race. 
Like, that is a dehumanizing thing to do, as well as obviously a totally inappropriate and absurd and absurd thing. Like, why would I give away my Instagram account? It doesn't make any sense. But also, yeah, like the the um the flattening of all people who are called black as like an interchangeable um and just like defined solely by their race is something that is completely against my principles. It is something that I find to be dehumanizing and I don't engage in behavior that is dehumanizing. And so for me, like I was literally in a position where like what was being demanded of me um to quote be accountable was something that I found to be unethical and completely against my principles. And so I could not and would not do it, you know? And I knew that that was going to get me canceled. Yeah. You know? But yeah. I would actually rather be canceled and in my integrity. So Yeah. Um yeah, so I really think that it's a good idea to like think deeply about your principles and really like flesh them out and like be in a process of like an ongoing process of really like feeling out what your principles are, thinking about them deeply, thinking about your actions in relationship to your principles and so on. Yeah, and it just helps you like live in reality basically, you know? Yeah. Um okay, so the next one that we wanted to talk about is creatively finding new solutions. You could start a podcast. <laughs> It's true. But don't, because then you'd be our competition. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we would accept <laughs> that if you started a podcast. We'll come on your podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes. I actually think that creatively finding new solutions is one of the most important things that canceled people can do, especially if you are a canceled person who is, you know, um, creative in terms of, like, your job or whatever. Basically, let me just say that like when you're canceled, every single thing that you try to do, they will try to stop you, right? So every single thing that you try to do in your life, every single new thing that you want to invest yourself in or be excited about, they will come and try to ruin it. This is one of the things that really sucks about being canceled because it is indefinite and it has no end in sight, right? So, and it's also, I will say like, it's like, um, it's unpredictable because it's actually not true that they will that they will come for every single thing right. that you do, but they will try, or if they find out about it, they very well might. And there's, yeah. it's just like, there's like this, like, uh, you, there's no way to tell, you know? It's true. Like you, some of them things, they might just let slide or whatever. And then other things they're like definitely going to come for. But I would say that if you have anything that gets attention and that is exciting, anything public facing, they're yeah. going to come for it. Yeah. Um, and it sucks because they're going to try to destroy it and they uh, they might succeed. They yeah. probably, in many cases, they will succeed. Um, and so this is part of what drives people who are canceled to suicide or to suicidal ideation because it feels so inescapable because it's like, you know, you've gone through this major trauma. You're trying to move on with your life. You're trying to, like, scrape together some, some kind of future for yourself. And every new thing, you either have to face down them coming for you or at the very least you have to live with the fear that they're going to, right? Yeah. And it's exhausting. It's fucking um, exhausting. It's man. exhausting and it's awful and, you know, it's happened to me many, many times already, right? Like, um, I was trying to start a band. My band abandoned me, like, once the they heard about some new wave of accusations. I was supposed to have two books come out with presses this year. Like, I was dropped because they didn't want to deal with the harassment that comes to anyone who associates with me, et cetera, et cetera. And I could go on and on. Like, the personal and professional, um, like, losses that I have experienced since being canceled is literally so extremely profound. And it sucks because, like, you work really hard and you get excited about something and you put yourself out there and then you lose it again, you know? 
Um, and so this is one of these external things, right? It's like that fucking sucks a lot. And also I don't have control over it. Right. And so for me, one of the ways that I shift to an internal focus is by being like, okay, so it fucking sucks. So what can I do? What is in my control? How could I creatively find a different way of doing these things? Right. Right. Um, and so that is what I try to do. And like, for example, with my books, like I, um, I am self-publishing them, right? Like, I was like, I don't want to have to self-publish them. It sucks that I have to self-publish them, but I want to put these books out, and so I'm going to figure out all the steps that I need to take in order to self-publish these books, and I did, and the second one is coming out right now, and it's beautiful. It looks fucking great, and I'm really excited about it, you know? Yeah. Um, And and I'll say right now that I think um, we're kind of, like, in a new place with this, I think, culturally, because... I mean, the right has always been complaining about cancel culture and like, but, but the thing is like people, like regular people in the right don't get canceled by the nexus. Usually, you know, like usually it's like, um, weird, like celebrities of some sort or another. And then the right gets really like worked up about it, you know, but people, the regular people who get canceled in the nexus are almost all nexus people. So they're like in the left, you know? Um, and so the left has not really had much of a response from like canceled people about cancel culture, you know? Um, first of all, because it tends to get stamped out like extremely rapidly. Um, but also because, like, I don't know, I think that there's been so much stigma, obviously, and, like, shame about being, you know, fucking canceled. Yeah. And even, like, shame about, like, talking about cancel culture, right? Yeah. Because it's, like, it's almost like a joke to talk about cancel yeah. culture. People are like, it's not even real. They're like, yeah. whatever, you know? Totally. Um, and people will just, like, roll their eyes at people, like, earnestly talking about how, like, fucked up and abusive cancel culture is. But, yeah, like, yeah. it is fucked up and abusive. Yeah, it, like, you know, obviously, like, truly is. Um, and so... I, I honestly think that, like, not that much has been, like, tried, you know? Um, and, like, one one potentially interesting thing that we heard about was, uh, you know, there's some people who are trying to organize, like, um, these, like, events, like, shows and stuff that are, you know, cancel-friendly, basically, or, like, canceled-friendly, um, you know, where they're inviting people who are canceled. And, yeah. And, and, you know, this is occurring not in some sort of, like, right-wing, like, shock-jock kind of way, yeah. but in a way where they're, like, actually, we don't want to participate in... Um, the fucking deplatforming of like all these like amazing artists and stuff, you know. Yeah. So we're gonna give them a platform. Like I guess you could call it replatforming. Yeah. And like not only are they trying to do this, they literally are doing it. Um, I'm going to New York City um, at the end of the month to read at one of these um, events. And basically, yeah, like I don't even remember how I got in contact with these people. But yeah, they're they're people who care about the arts. They're on the left, and they want like artistic spaces that are not being controlled by cancel culture. And they are having like literary and music events um, with various artists, and they are welcoming people who have been canceled, right? And so I'm speaking, I'm reading at the event, and like I'm sharing the stage with some people who are really cool and important to me. And like not everybody who's involved has been canceled, but I guess probably after this they will be. Um, <laughs> But uh, it's cool, right? Like, there's there are people who are down with this kind of thing. And I think part of um, creatively finding solutions, you know, you do have to think outside the box. You do have to be willing to do things in a different way. And I do think, like, you do have to be willing to, like, kind of embrace being canceled and, like, associate with other canceled people, right? Because I kind of think that there was this impulse, or I could understand there being an impulse of people being like, okay, I was canceled but I don't want to associate myself with other canceled people because it's going to make it worse, right? But actually, other canceled people can be your community and your 
audience. Like if you have creative projects and stuff that you want to do, but you're scared that no one wants to listen to you because you're canceled, well, there's actually like so many people who have been traumatized by the same culture and who don't believe in it and you know, both canceled people and other people who have just been around it and are fucking sick of it, right? Like, there's a lot. There's, you know, like, every episode of this podcast gets, like, what, like, a thousand listens in a day? More um, now, a lot yeah. more at this point. And so, like, that's a lot of people who are immediately, like, yes, like, we are down for this, you know? Yeah. So there's, like, a whole audience there. Um. Yeah, and I mean, like, fuck, like... When you're thinking about things that you can control and things you can't, like, there's, like, gigantic structural things that, like, you personally, you can't, like, tomorrow get up and change it. But, obviously, the entire point of, like, activism and ostensibly the entire point of the left is to change those giant structural things. You know what I mean? But collectively, like, you know, as part part of, like, a movement and, and so on. Yeah. And actually, like, you cannot ever, like, undo your own cancellation, but over time... Um, we can change the culture that produces these cancellations, yeah. you know? And honestly, I want a fucking mission to do that. Uh, it's like yeah. the only way that I can ever sort of like be remotely uncanceled is to fucking completely upend the culture that canceled me in the first fucking place, you know? And I can't wait. Um, who knows if it'll happen. Uh, but honestly, soon, you know, we but have seen huge changes even in the past year. It like, literally is changing. Yeah, it's no, a huge, it's, huge changes have happened even like when we first put out this podcast till now, like it's like profoundly different, you know? Um, and so, yeah, like being a part of that change um, is like really, it's very important to me. Yeah, um, and it feels good. So it like, feels good. It's very empowering. It's very like, it feels healthy. And it's also like, it's not just about, you know, myself and, and not wanting to be, you know, permanently canceled, but it's also about like, I want right. to help other people first. And I want to like live in a culture that is like principled and has compassion and also like has space for like creativity and like you know because like cancel culture is super fucking bad for like politics and is super fucking bad for the arts and like I care about those things you know yeah um but yeah so basically just like on this topic of creatively finding new solutions I think that canceled people can have so many doors shut in our face that we start shutting doors in our own face and we feel like things are totally impossible and there's no way to do things when what is more helpful is to have the opposite mindset where you're actually like, what the hell could be possible? And yeah. like, how could we do it? You know? Yeah. Um, one of the things that is like big dreaming for me and like, who knows if it will ever be possible, but like, I want to start our own community space locally where we can like, you know, have, you know, like studio space um, and also event space where we can like do our own creative projects and have our own events and guess what? You can't ban me from a space that is literally my own space. Um, right. And so that kind of thing, right? Where, of course, these things are hard. I'm not saying that they're easy. They're hard. And you have to be, like, really, really creative um, and, like, resilient and strategic to, like, try to find new solutions. But it is totally possible. And I think that focusing your energy on that and just being like, well, what could we do? Like, sky's the limit. Like, what what might be possible? Yeah, is, and, you know, you might not have that much to lose, so... Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's like, that is going to be so much more empowering and feel so much better than just, like, you know, being like, fuck, nothing is possible, you know? Like, that, that road leads to bad places. That's going to lead you to, like, despair and depression and feeling like you can't do anything. In fact, lots of things are still possible, and there are many, many, many people who are, like who believe in the same things that we believe, you know? Yeah. I would never in my wildest dreams when I had first 
been canceled or like before I was canceled, I would never in my wildest dreams have imagined myself publicly saying the things that I say now. I would never, I could not imagine that I would say these things. It is crazy to me. And now I just say them all the time. I just go around saying them. And guess what? Thousands of people are like, yeah, you know? Thousands of people are like, yeah, I agree with that. And yeah, of course there's people that are like freaking out and and like calling me all of these horrible things and like trying to destroy my life. But guess what? They were doing that anyway. And now I'm just like speaking my truth and living in my integrity and finding other people who are on the same page and like building community and making real friends and like finding ways to make my creative projects. And like, honestly, like there's a lot that sucks, but there's still a lot that's really great. Yeah, man. So. That's pretty much it. I guess that's pretty much it. So, yeah, we hope that you can um, reflect on this as a message of hope um, because what happened to you is fucking wrong. Yeah. And you are a human being who is worthy of a beautiful, full life. And I truly do believe that there's, like, a lot of fucking ways to make really beautiful things happen. Yeah, man. Um, and this isn't going to be, like, the end of the story, you know? Yeah. They can't take everything from you. And they can't control what you decide to do. Yeah. You know? They can they can control a lot, but they can't control that. And just hold on to that. You yeah. Know? Um, also, buy my zine. <laughs> I think it's, like, six bucks. Yeah, definitely uh, buy your zine. It's really, really good. I forgot to mention. It's called um, uh, What Else Is There to Live For? Yeah. And honestly, I cried. So... It's really beautiful. And, like, I'm honestly, like, we, I think I mentioned this before, like, when we were talking. But I'm, like, I want to see, like, a fucking canceled renaissance, you know? <laughs> I do. Because I'm, like. <laughs> this is going to be the episode name. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, it's, like, there's so many people who are, like, fucking, I don't know, really fucking brilliant and smart and and have so much to offer who have just been treated like shit and who have, you know, we've been robbed of their gifts. Like, they're too afraid to, like, offer the world what they have to offer because they're sick of being harassed. Yeah, it's, like, fucking wrong, man. It's really wrong because it's not even just wrong that they're being harassed, but it's also wrong that we're robbing the world of all of this, like, stuff that is, like, that we need, you know? Yeah, all these musicians and artists and, like, thinkers and writers. Yeah, people who have so much to offer. And, like, I want us all to become brave. We are already fucking brave, so it's just a matter of being just a little bit braver, you know? Yeah. And, like, starting to offer this to the world and also really, like, having each other's backs and, like, the people who are, like, fucking, you know, out here offering that shit and being brave and, like, support them, you know? Look up your local canceled artists today, you know? And yeah. and, and support them. Yeah, totally. You know? And, like, together we can be brave. Yeah, and instead of wasting your time with some, like, insane accountability spectacle bullshit, like, you can just, uh, you can be like, no, I'm a fucking leftist, and I don't agree with any of this. I think it's fucking stupid. Yeah, and then just direct your energy to more productive things. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, anyways, we love you. Thank you. We love you. See you next time. Bye-bye.